United Soccer Coaches is proud to bring you the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast, covering all aspects and all levels of the game we love. The United Soccer Coaches podcast is presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer announcer Dean Linky, the longtime television and podcast voice of the association. Now, here's Dean with this week's show. I am Dean Lincoln, another great show for you as we have Terry Boss, who's the head coach of the Oregon State men's soccer team, which just was named the number one seed in the 48 team field for this year's NCAA men's soccer tournament. Terry Boss, the boss of the Oregon State men's soccer team, will kick it off. After him, a countdown to convention with Deb Raber. What a wonderful human being. What a wonderful coach of players and a coach of coaches. Deb Raber winning the Mike Berticelli Excellence Award for United Soccer Coaches. She'll receive that award at this year's convention in Kansas City. She is outstanding. Glenn Crooks, when you need to talk all things soccer, and we definitely need to talk about the U.S. men, we need to talk about MLS, we need to talk about college soccer, Glenn Crooks is the man, the former Rutgers women's soccer coach, now a media superstar. He is fantastic. And then we end meeting another member of our 30 under 30 class, Alyssa Finelli, who is the head coach at Bethany. Alyssa Finelli will wrap up the show. And it starts after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to learn more. Team Snap is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. As I mentioned, kicking off this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast with the boss, Terry Boss, the top man at Oregon State, which was just named the number one seed in the 48-team NCAA Division I Men's Soccer Tournament, which gets started, I think, today and tomorrow and all weekend long as this show airs on Thursday. Terry Boss, welcome to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, so Oregon State, the number one seed in the men's soccer tournament. I don't know if we've ever said that before, have we, Coach? I, I don't think so. I don't think so. So it's it's been, it's been a great year. I'm just so proud of these young men. They they get all the credit. They they've been they've been exceptional all year long. Fourth season there, you win the pack. You're twelve two and three. Incredible wins on your schedule. Your only losses are against UC Santa Barbara and Washington. Just a fantastic season. Then I look at your stats and I see five players in double figures points. And I see a goalkeeper with under a 1.0 goals against average. Can you just talk about the makeup of your team? Yeah. You know, I think it's, it's been a, it's been a group, like you said it four years, four years together, growing together. Um, it's been the beautiful Part of it is that we all started this journey together and, and, and it all started with the belief and conviction that that we could do it here. Um, and I was really thankful that, that young men joined me as, as a first time head coach and, and they've they've bought in from day one and, and we've continued to build. We've continued to add add new lessons, new experiences uh, as we grew each year. And, and some of those have been painful moments. Some of those are painful moments, but but we've learned from them. We've grown from them. We've overcome. And, and that's kind of been the heartbeat of this group this year there's there's just been nothing that's been thrown at them that that has that they haven't been able to deal with 
They've been able to keep this resolve about them, their confidence about them, their belief in the group. And it's been fun to watch this year. Take me into the room, though. And I know that there was an official at Oregon State that was, I think, the top man in heading up all of this. So he had to leave the room if I heard it correctly on the show. But take me into your room when you were named the number one seed and how the boys reacted. Yeah, you know, it's any anytime, anytime. I mean, I'd had a couple of people ask me, "Do you want the number one seat?" And I, I looked at them like they had four heads, right? <laughs> if, there, if there's something to compete for, we want it, right? I think that's, I think that's what competitors do, and that that's this team. They 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 knew the number one seat was up for grabs, and so we did everything we could to make sure that that our name was called when when it was announced. And we've also been around the game long enough to see committees look at things differently. So we big picture we wanted to make sure that we were at home and we wanted to be a top four seed so we played at Lorenz Field in front of Beaver Nation it's been such an advantage for us and so we wanted to make sure that that was that was the box that we got ticked and then and then certainly if if the number one seed was up for grabs we wanted to compete for it shame on me Terry boss I live in Chapel Hill I do a ton of work for the Big Ten Network so obviously there's going to be sort of this not on purpose, but this slant toward what's right in front of me. But not only are you the number one seed, but Washington's the number two seed. So clearly the Pac-12 knows what they're doing as it relates to men's soccer. Can you blow that horn a little bit? Can you talk about Pac-12 men's soccer? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I've been, I was fortunate enough to, to be an assistant for George Gildenbatch of Virginia and know the ACC well. And then I've also been fortunate to be out here for four years and I've been so impressed with this conference. It is it is an absolute dogfight to get a to get a single point, you know. And so, um, Jamie at, at Washington, Jeremy at Stanford, Kevin at Cal, Ryan Jordan at UCLA, and Ryan Hopkins at at San Diego State. All these are great coaches, and and they make you think. And the beautiful thing about our game and our league is that we play everyone twice. So you play someone home, you play them away. And if you don't adapt, you're dead. And so it, it's this game that that forces you to grow as a coach. But the, but the conference, I just can't speak highly enough about it. I, I personally think it's the toughest conference in the country. And this year, I think the RPI shows that. But but going back and forth with the ACC, they're two great conferences. You, you love competing in both of them. Both of them have done such an exceptional job producing good young players, great teams um, who have gone on and had great futures. And that, that's, as a coach, what, what we're after. And if that's not enough, you and Washington, the fact that you went to Tulsa, where you helped the team advance to the 2003 and 2004 NCAA tournaments, you appear among the top goalkeepers in the Golden Hurricanes history, and you are a standout academically. I'm going to get into your pro career in a moment, but Tulsa is the number six seed in this entire tournament. You got to love that connection as well, Terry. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Watch Washington. You know, Tom McIntosh, this guy, this guy, I say it all the time. He is the definition of a competitor and it, and his teams take that on. He's a winner. And so just to see him do it year in, year out, and just to have the team that they have this year, I've been, I've been quietly rooting them on the whole time. So I'm really proud of that group. Obviously being an alumni, you love to see those guys be successful. Terry Boss followed his collegiate career with a lengthy professional one, playing seven seasons before retiring in 2012. His last three years were spent with the Seattle Sounders of Major League Soccer, where he picked up 28 saves and three shutouts and posted a 6-2-1 record. During his time in Seattle, he played with Casey Keller, one of the premier American goalkeepers of all time. Clearly, being in Seattle, close to Oregon State or close enough, that made you probably love the Pacific Northwest, right? And in, in that region, but talk about both being in that region, then also 
being alongside Casey Keller and one of the greatest ever to wear the U.S. uniform. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I grew up I grew up five minutes from from campus here at Oregon State. So it's always it's always been a goal of mine to get back to the Pacific Northwest. Uh, I've always had a real affinity for Oregon State. And you kind of mentioned a couple of things there, but I, I've been really fortunate. You know, I've been fortunate to have coaches like Tom McIntosh work for George Gilnevach, be able to work and learn under Ziggy at Seattle. Like these these are coaches that I've just, man, I, I just, I pinch myself sometimes. I've been around, be able to be around great coaches. And and I think that when you have those opportunities, it, it's it's your responsibility to pay it forward, you know? And so I want to be able to pass on these guys' legacy, pass on what I've learned from them and be real honest with myself and continue to learn and continue to grow and get around other coaches that, that I can, that so that I can be the best version of myself and help as many young people go where they want to go. I'm actually glad you pivoted to coaches over my shoulder. Actually, there's a, a picture of Ziggy Schmidt as I was the press yeah. officer of the U.S. team. And I love that guy. And love know, interviewed, him. yeah, I love him. We interviewed his two boys as uh, we announced that he was going into our United Soccer Coaches Hall of Fame. And we miss him so much. But you talk about a guy who, I mean, he ate it, drank it, slept it, everything, soccer and, and making his players better, right? That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. And I, I picked up so much from him, so much from that staff. You know, you you, you look back at there's pivotal moments along your career and you know that if you don't get some of those opportunities, some of those opportunities don't go your way. I'm, I'm probably not sitting here right now. So as I look back over my journey, incredibly thankful for the people that that took time, bet on me, invested in me. And like I said, it, it's it's a privilege to be able to pay that forward. Looking at your bracket as the number one seed, you play the winner of St. John's and Princeton. Both those teams are pretty good teams. I mean, uh, this time around, I don't. There's no easy outs. Like on the women's bracket, we saw some six nothing games, even an eight nothing game. I don't see that happening on the men's side. Yeah, that, that's not happening. That's not happening. The, the field's great. I think. I think the committee did do a good job with the field. There's always some tough calls, I'm sure, but. If you're in this field, you, you, you've got the quality to win it, you know. And so as we do with every single game, we do a deep dive, real clear idea of how we want to play, real clear idea of how, how either of those teams want to disrupt us, given their, their given their current shape and behaviors. And then we roll the ball out Sunday evening, and it's going to come down to who can execute. Going back, and I, I like you being on point, you know, hey, you know, do you want to be the number one seed? Heck yeah, I want to be the number one seed. Do you feel like your players understand uh, kind of the pressures that go with that number one seed? Yeah, I think I think, I think, think you said a funny word there. I think you used the word pressure. And I think that I alluded to this a little bit as, as we started, but, you know, last year, I think we were ranked somewhere in the top five. And I think if I'm, if I'm really honest with it, all that is pressure. We saw that as pressure. But as, as, the, as the group has grown, they no longer see it as pressure. These these young men are playing as if it's a privilege because that's exactly what it is. It's a privilege that they've earned. They know they're not satisfied with it. It, it doesn't mean that they've arrived. They want more, um, but there's not a target on their back. The, the target is 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 on the opposition back as we continue to play our best our best brand of football. You know, and so that's that's kind of what I've alluded to is that some of your most painful moments in, in life, if you allow them to be growing moments, learning moments they'll come back around and get another chance. And that's what I'm so proud about this group is that we've learned from that. I, I don't think we handled it well uh, last year. And this year, 
there, there's been a growth and maturity, uh, a shift in mindset that, yeah, it's not pressure. It's a privilege. For others that shamefully have been living under a rock and not paying attention to Pac-12 soccer like they should, what is the best way to describe a Terry Boss Oregon State men's soccer team style of play, the way they approach every game? Yeah, we, we want to control. We want to control the game with the ball. That, that's clear. We, we want to build through build through all thirds of the field. We want to we want to be brave with the ball. A lot of our attacks start with our goalkeeper. We feel that if if we can get you to press our goalkeeper, we're going to have an man advantage up the field. And so um, I think one of our, our goalkeepers, one of the best goalkeepers in the country. I, I want people to walk away saying that that's that's a that's a brave, committed, clear identity in terms of football and tactics in terms of in terms of cultural, holistically, I, I want people to say, man, that, that group of young men love each other. They serve each other. They care for each other. They want to do the extra effort for each other. They want to put the team first. And, and that's what's made this group special. I, I, think that, I think that every team in NCAA, they have quality. But it, it's do you have the intangibles? Are you willing to serve the team? Are you willing to put the team first? Are you willing to put your own own personal agenda aside for the, for the betterment of the team? And, and that's where... Over four years, I, I believe we've evolved. And, and that's why this year has been such a special year. Going back to your journey, you mentioned that you're from not too far from Oregon State. Is right. it pronounced Philomath or Philomath? How do you say it? Philomath. 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 Okay, I missed yeah. it. I was 0 for 2. Philomath, <laughs> good, Oregon. Yeah, Philomath, Oregon. Okay, so, but clearly you weren't afraid to venture out as you head to Tulsa. You already talked about the fact that you're at Virginia, which is a long, long, long way. But in many ways, this is kind of a storybook situation for you to go out and experience all of that. Obviously, when you're at Seattle with Ziggy and Casey, you were closer, but then you went out again and you spent time at other places like New York and with the Puerto Rico team and Charlotte and everything else. But to do all of that and then come home, everybody loves coming home, right, Coach? Yeah. Tell me what that means to come home and, and rep your, quote, hometown team or close enough. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think I think I – Look, as, as a young coach, you, you want to have as many experiences as possible. And, and so you want, to, you want to go out, you want to take on new adventures, you want to learn new ideas, you, you want to have these opportunities to grow and, and push yourself and be real honest with yourself about where, where you need to keep growing, you know. And so as, as, as I kept growing as a coach, and gosh, I hope I, I keep growing for the next 50 years in this journey, you know. Um, but to be able to come back home, take what I've learned, had real clear ideas of, of how I wanted to start the program here and, and build on on the program that, that people before me had, had created. It became real evident to me that that we could do something special here and and to be able to do it in the in the town that, that pretty much raised you it is really special. You know, every game you've got my my family's there, my wife, my two daughters, my parents are there. Um, I've got my high school coach was there giving me tick, you know, tactical tips after the game. You know, these are just things that that you, you can't make up, you know. And so to to give back to a town that's given me so much is, is is certainly special. You mentioned your family, a superstar family as your brother, Kevin. I remember him. I'm a football, the other football fan as well as soccer. And Kevin won a Super Bowl championship playing tight end with the New York Giants. Uh, that's pretty cool as well. What was that like yeah. growing up? Did you play football too or just soccer? No, just soccer, just soccer. So it was, we, we kind of joke and say, you know, your, your, your sports find you a little bit, you know? Um, and yeah, my brother was just, he was, he was dominant. He was dominant. And I, and I, I loved watching him play. You know, I think people always ask like, well, what'd your parents do? What'd you, what, I mean, 
and 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 I get the question all the time, but but they let us love the game. They they honestly do. And and I to this day, when people say, "Oh, you're such a hard worker," you're so, or, or you're, you and your brother are just two hardworking guys. We love it. We're not working hard. We we love what we do. You know, we had this we had this real opportunity in our family of origin to just enjoy our gifts. There was no pressure. There was no sports being shoved down our throat. Our, our parents saw us love it. We loved it. And then and then look, when you love things, you take care of them. And and hard work always follows that. But but again, I I, I kind of laugh when I use the word hard work or sacrifice because. Man, what, what a privilege to get up and play a sport for a living. Yeah, you get to have fun. Do you remember how fun it was? Were you at the Super Bowl when your brother yeah, won? Were you there? Absolutely, Remind absolutely. me where that was. It was in Arizona. It was at it was, it was Arizona. Yeah, I mean, I still, like, to this day, it is it is one of those moments, you know. And, and you love the story, right? A, a kid from a small town, flown with Oregon. It, it, it's not, not the biggest town in the world, but it, it's certainly a wonderful place to grow up. And then, I, I mean, I remember hugging him on the field, confetti falling down, and you're going like, man, anything's possible. Anything's possible. But sometimes you have to have those experiences in your life to, to truly believe it, you know? And, and that's that's the beauty of sports. That's the power of sports is, man, you, you, you can you can go anywhere you want to. I just listened to this Navy, Navy SEAL speak to us, and, and he said to us, commitment is your only limiting factor. And it, it, it's so true. It's so true. It, it's, it's the guys that are fully committed on our team. It's the guys that are fully committed competing in the stadium across from us. Those are, those are the guys that make it. Those are the guys that are just are willing to do what it takes day in, day out over time that, that end up making it. What a great quote. I'm so glad you shared it. And I'm thinking about your mom and dad, Mr. and Mrs. Boss, knowing that, hey, we got a ring, you know, winning a Super Bowl. How cool it would be to get a ring winning an NCAA championship? That would be pretty cool. That, that, that would be a neat little double, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. Yeah, they... They're, they're great. I mean, they, they love it. Win, lose, or draw, they, they've been they've just been a backbone of support for us to to feel like we can go out and and don't play play to win, play to win. Not not to not with this fear of failing because we we knew we were going to be loved at home regardless of performance, and and that frees you up to really go for it. And and so I just I can't thank them enough for how they raised us. Two more questions for Terry Boss, the top man for Oregon State, the number one seed in the forty eight team tournament known as the NCAA Men's National Championship run all the way to the College Cup, which is just incredible. The College Cup will be crowned back at Wakemed Soccer Park in Cary down the road from where I live, Coach. So I'm certainly looking forward to seeing you there. And, you know, as you, as you start to break it down and you know all these coaches are listening, all these coaches that have a dream of making it to where they are right now that kind of follow your story. What's your message to all these coaches that wonder, hey, if Oregon State can be the number one seed, why not me? Yeah, what I would say is just a, a willingness to be uncomfortable, a willingness to keep growing, a willingness to stick to your convictions and, and at least test your ideas, at least go for it. Be, be authentic in your ideas. Hey, look, I, I, I came here and and was real clear on how we wanted to play. And I've, and I've, I've had to say, man, that, that's, I need to evolve. I need to adapt. I need to get better here. I need to grow. But I think you have to have an idea in order to test it. And then I think you have to have the courage to test the idea and follow through with it. And if it doesn't work, then, then you can make a new plan from there. But I do think that this idea of don't play it safe, go for it, go for it, and, and keep learning. Keep learning and be around people that are going to push you to, to make you better. I appreciate that answer. And we'll end with another question. My last question here, you talk about adapting. Unfortunately, COVID 
did not allow us to go to Anaheim, but United Soccer Coaches has made it a priority to get West Coast periodically. A lot of times it's Baltimore, Philly, Baltimore, Philly, but they were in LA not too long ago. They were supposed to be in Anaheim. They're going to continue to try to get out West. With that, what has United Soccer Coaches meant to you and your development, Terry Boss? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, every time every time there, there's a convention, I'm there learning, growing, trying to pick up new ideas, new speakers, new cultures, you know, these these are things that these are priceless, and 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 along the way, the relationships, right? I mean, it, it all comes down to relationships in the end. You know, to to be able to see people, to be able to to track the coaching tree you came from, to to have this like real position of gratitude for the opportunities you've been given, and then look to be able to pay it forward. Like I said, to start, we we I, I love the idea of any anything that's difficult in your life. If you're open to it, this idea that difficult moments will help you grow and go where you want to go yeah then you then you're able to come back into these convention settings share 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 these moments encourage each other and then and then go back out and 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 coach up the the people around you and, and make other people better what a wonderful visit shame on me but i'm telling you right now you got my attention you clearly have united soccer coaches attention and you clearly have ncaa's committee's attention as the number one seed you deserve it all Terry Boss, the head coach of Oregon State, the number one seed in the NCAA men's soccer tournament, kicking off this week's show. So glad to spend some time with you. Congratulations on all your success, Coach Boss, and good luck in the NCAA tournament. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me on. All right. Terry Boss is the boss as the number one seed for Oregon State in the men's soccer tournament. Speaking of bosses, United Soccer Coaches announced back on October 28th the selection of Deborah Raber as the 2021 Mike Berticelli Excellence in Coaching Education Award winner. Deb Raber, when we return. Hello, college coaches. This is Dean Linky with a special reminder. Registration is now open for the United Soccer Coaches College Services Program. Registered programs have access to a variety of benefits, including eligibility for awards and rankings, individual membership discounts, a dedicated liaison working on your behalf with organizations like the NCAA, NAIA, NJCAA, and so much more. United Soccer Coaches helps you develop your entire coaching game the way you help your student-athletes grow as people. For more information or to register, please visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash college. Time now for the Countdown to Convention, a weekly interview on the United Soccer Coaches podcast that features the United Soccer Coaches Convention, which will take place January 19th through 23rd in Kansas City. Every week during this time, our host, Dean Linky, will take a deep dive with someone or a group of people that will be featured at this year's convention. Remember to register early for the convention by going to unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. Now, here's Dean with this week's Countdown to Convention. It is time for Countdown to Convention. That sometimes includes people that are doing presentations or people that are receiving awards of excellence. And we're going to go with the latter on this one is back on October 28th, United Soccer Coaches announced the selection of Deborah Raber as the 2021 Mike Berticelli Coaching Education Award for her outstanding contributions, teaching coaches and service to the game. Deb Raber, a member of the National Coaching Academy staff for the association, becomes the 22nd person to receive the prestigious recognition from her peers. The award is named in honor of Mike Berticelli, former United Soccer Coaches Vice President of Education and Men's Coach at the University of Notre Dame. 
who passed away in 2000. Deb Raber serves as an instructor for both the national and advanced national diploma courses, as well as all levels of the association's goalkeeping certification courses. In addition to coaching education, Deb Raber is dedicated to other positive services to the association and the game. She is a longtime member of the organization's ethics committee and is the national chair of the Senior College Women's Scholar All-America Committee. Deb Raber, you are the recipient of the 2021 Mike Berticelli Excellence in Coaching Education Award. That on its own, how does that sound, Deb? Oh, when Doug Williamson called me, I was absolutely blown away. And it's just such an honor. You know, I look down the list of who's who's received the award in the past, and it's people who were my academy staff coaches and who had such an incredible influence on me. And, you know, people I look at and say, wow, I wouldn't be in coaching. I wouldn't be where I am today without them. And then to be on the list with them is absolutely humbling. I want to remind everybody that Deb Raber has been a head college coach for 29 years and currently is the women's soccer coach at Massachusetts College of Liberal Arts in North Adams. She also serves her college as director of the fitness center and is the strength and conditioning coach for all of the athletic teams at the MCLA. I want to get into that a little bit. I mean, you're all in at your role with United Soccer Coaches, but you're also all in at your role at the university where you're at right now. Yeah, I have a full plate without a doubt, but as our soccer coach, I mean, I love, I love coaching soccer, hands down. It's, it's goes without saying, but the strength and conditioning component, I absolutely love as well because I get to work with all of our student athletes and I'm an educator at heart and it just gives me an opportunity to work beyond soccer. So, you know, I work very closely with our baseball team and, uh, being able to work with both our men and women at our college is just so rewarding to what I do. I've always known you from a distance, but have not got to know you real well. And this is kind of my blank canvas question. Can you tell us where you grew up and where you went to college, how you found your way to United Soccer Coaches, and then maybe how you found your way to this current job? Can you uh, go ahead and have time here? It's a podcast. That's a, that's a, that's a long one. All right. So I grew up in Vernon, Connecticut, and I was lucky growing up in Connecticut, you know, being around soccer, I grew up in an area of Connecticut that exposed me to like Dan Gaspar and Tony DeChico very early on in my life. Um, so I was a goalkeeper all growing up, ended up landing for college at Green Mountain College. Unfortunately, it's closed since then. It was a small little school up in Vermont. I ended up going to Castleton State after that. So I graduated in May. Castleton State had just lost their head coach in July, and I was the only one around. And so right place, right time. 22 years old, not ready to be a head coach, but they needed one. So they took a chance, they took a big chance on a 22-year-old to head up a college program, and not to mention a college program who was the biggest rival to my undergraduate experience. So that was rather interesting, but you know, it goes back to people like, at the time, Natalie Cronkite, who just guided me. She was the athletics director. She guided me you know, into making some of the right, making right decisions as a coach. And then there was a professor there at the time, Tracy Dexter Matthews. And she was like, listen, if you want to continue on in this coaching thing, you got to get a master's degree. And she had just come from Springfield College. So literally she put me in the car and drove me down to Springfield College. And uh, lo and behold, I end up getting a master's degree. Again, right place, right time. The athletics director from MCLA, then Scott Nichols, calls down to Springfield, which is where he went. He was working on his PhD work. And uh, 
he was like, do you have a dual sport coach down there? We need a, we need someone who can coach soccer and softball. So again, right place, right time. 20, 22 years later, I'm still at MCLA and then getting involved in the association. You know, I, I was a member back when I was at Castleton state and here's a throwback bless his heart. Jim Fieser, who was the president of the association at the time was one of the um, physical education professors there. And he pushed me into getting my membership, making sure, you know, that, that I have my membership with the association that then NSCAA, and I wasn't really that involved. And then when I went to MCLA, my athletics director at the time, Scott Nichols said, you have to go get your national. So that's when it all started. And then Scott just really supported my education up through all of the academies. So even if, you know, I would go to him and be like, Hey, can I, can I take my, you know, level one goalkeeping? He was like, yep, let's send you, you know, and it was always, he always just supported my education all the way up through. And along the way, just met everyone and some incredible people who believed in me as a coach and, um, and then believed in me as a coaching educator and, the rest is history with the association. And I'm like, I'm grateful for this association that they look at me as an educator and not necessarily where I coach. And that means a lot to me. Well, and I like the fact that, you know, during that time, a lot of people looked at United Soccer Coaches as kind of an all boys club. And here mm -hmm. you are, they clearly opened your arms to you. Who was the first one that kind of opened their arms and said, you know, doesn't matter that she's a woman, she can coach, she knows what she's doing. Do you remember kind of who cracked that door wide open? to be <sighs> Oh, I do. I do remember. So there's a couple stories. There's one where, you know, I was asked to be part of to shadow. Right. And then so I went and I shadowed Gary Cook at Wilbraham and Munson Academy. And I was scared to death. And he was like, OK, you're going to run a session. And here I am. And, you know, the gym at, at Wilbraham and Munson. And I was scared. And then, you know, I just look back, you know, even before that, I look back when I took my national then at Amherst and I'm watching. Nancy Feldman and Sue Ryan just captivate a hundred and something coaches. And I was like, wow, that is so inspiring to watch those two women, you know, just have the entire course, like on the edge of their seats as to what are they going to do next? Cause they were so exciting to watch. And then, you know, like I said, fast forward with Gary, I shadowed with Nancy a couple of times, which was so powerful. Just again, another amazing coach educator. When you're around people like that, you're just so incredibly fortunate to learn, you know, and then Doug Williamson, for sure. He took me under his wing, you know, Jeff Fresnel, the list goes on and on and on. And, you know, this past summer with Ian, Ian and Vince, I mean, could you ask to be surrounded by better people in this association? Outstanding answer. And you obviously are aware that we like to name drop on this show and all those <laughs> names, are names that resonate with me. I do appreciate it. One of the things I also appreciate about this show is you know, you're receiving this award of excellence, the Berticelli Award, which has all this esteem. And right before you came on, you heard me talking to one of our 30 under 30 members. So I really like how the fact the association, yep, they're recognizing excellence for long-term service. Although Deb, you still look like you could be a 30 under 30 member, but I also like the fact that these young 30 under 30 members now have a chance and they have a chance to aspire to be a Deb Raber. I love that part about the association. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, whether it is whether it is like a male mentor or a female mentor, there's so many mentors out there offered through this association and the 30 under 30 program to see where it's grown has just been incredible. And I remember years and years ago, Jeff Van Dusen had come to Gary Cook and I 
And he's like, can you do a session at the convention called, so you want to be a coach? And so for a couple of years, Gary and I did that. And then just to see the association take an idea like that and just run with it and make it in an entire year long mentorship program and, and, you know, connect younger coaches with, you know, more experienced coaches, I think is absolutely incredible that they've done that they've done that because early on in my career, (laughs) I did not have a lot of mentors and I don't think I was open-minded enough to have mentors. And if it's one thing, you know, I could go back and change, it would be, and this is what I tell everyone, get a mentor, get a couple mentors, get a network, start building because things are going to happen and sharing ideas with each other is just such a powerful experience. I love that you did that session. So you want to be a coach tying it back to an interview. We'll hear a little bit later with the aforementioned Alyssa Finelli. One of the reasons she wanted to be a coach is she had 90% amazing experiences with coaches. She had 10% that were terrible experience with coaches. And I mentioned that I had two elite level basketball playing kids, that similar story, rising high with coaches that were doing it the right way. And then a downfall when they ran in to the wrong coach. And it was really hard to, to manage that. It's really important for coaches to do it the right way, Deb. I agree with you a hundred percent. And, and I'm starting to see, and it, it needs to happen earlier on too. Like, so the power of the youth coach is so incredibly important. That can make or break an experience. The, the power of a high school coach you know, is so incredibly important. And it's not just the X's and O's. Like, it goes back to the saying, you know, people don't care what you know until they know how much you care. And I'm seeing it so much now on the high school level where it's like, just care about the kids and give them an opportunity to play. And you could be sometimes one of the most powerful, influential people in a kid's life. And like you said, it could either make or break an experience of a, of a, of a kid deciding to keep playing or not playing. You know, number one reason why they play is fun. Number one reason why they stop is it's not fun. So we could have such an incredibly impactful influence on, on kids just through coaching because we get to see them through you know, their moments of glory, their moments of struggle, and we're there by their side. Not too many people can do that you know, in their lives. You know, their teachers don't necessarily see that in school, but we get to see that when we get, you know, when we start really getting to know the students that we coach. You know, and one of the things we're seeing more and more of now with United Soccer Coaches, particularly at the conventions where we know we'll see you, we have to, because you're getting that shiny award (laughs) as well, which is pretty awesome, is for a long time, it was just about the X's and O's, but now we're realizing, of course, we've gone through just hell, for lack of a a better word, with this pandemic and, and, and everything that has gone with it. But I feel like the association is spending more time on the mental and psychology side of the game. And as somebody who also deals with strength and the importance of that, that must make you feel pretty good. It does. And my, and my graduate degree is in counseling and psychological services specific to athletics. So seeing it, you know, it was, it was, I think it was last year, the year before one of our assistant coaches said to me, they were like, have you ever used your master's degree so much than this year? And I was like, you know, it's, it's been such a shift over the years to go, like you said, from X's and O's to more, more of like the mental skills side of the game. And so, you know, and again, the strength and conditioning component is definitely part of it, but I'm seeing the biggest thing I'm seeing right now and over the past couple of years has been the relationship side of coaching has just become paramount. Deb Raber named the 2021 recipient of the Mike Berticelli award. She'll be recognized at 
the convention, the big banquet will be on Friday night. I'll be up on the stage and look forward to shaking your hand up there as well. As you think about formerly NSCAA, now United Soccer Coaches, what do those three words mean to you overall, Deb? You know, I know there was a lot of people who were looking back at it and said, why did we make the change in the name? And the way I personally look at it is that we are an organization that encompasses all coaches on all levels. The majority of coaches in our country are on the youth level and the rec level. And we've done such a good job to make sure that we incorporate, again, all levels. We're not you know, exclusive to advanced coaches. And I, and I think we've done a tremendous job, again, in making sure that we recognize the importance of all levels of coaching. So you know, kudos to that. And united we stand. This one's going to go a little deep, but we're going to end with this one. As I mentioned, I feel like uh, you actually look like you could be a member of the 30 under 30 class. So congratulations <laughs> on, on, <laughs> on looking amazing. But you've now entered into the world of where people start talking about your legacy. When you win awards like this, whether you like it or not, Deb, and I can tell you're super humble. And I like that about you. You've made it about your players along the way. You made it about making coaches better but knowing that you've now won this award and what it means down the road 20 years from now or whatever what do you want your legacy to be as far as your impact on the game I just want people to see me as a as a quality coaching educator who had an impact on their lives you know who got them to open who got coaches to open their minds about the possibilities of what could be in the game you know for me it's not all about it's not about the wins on the field it's about the impact that i have with helping develop the next level you know the next generation of coaches just like the people who came before me on that list the impact they had on me i want to have the same impact on an, on the next generation the Berticelli Award will be presented at the Association's Awards Banquet on Friday, January 21, in conjunction with the 82nd Annual United Soccer Coaches Convention in Kansas City, Missouri. If you see Deb Raber, please congratulate her. And Deb, I thank you for being on this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap, and congratulations on this well-deserved award. Thanks, Dean. And it's been such an honor to sit with you here this morning. So you have a wonderful day and thank you again. It's my honor and what a great time to be in soccer. So many incredible things happening. The USA beat Mexico. They played Jamaica on Tuesday. Don't know the result of that at the time of the taping. The women's tournament for NCAA is going on at all levels. The men going on at all levels. Major League Soccer playoffs are starting. USL Championship, USL League One, you name it, it's happening in soccer. And to break it all down, a new media darling, Glenn Crooks, who's also a friend to the association, Glenn Crooks on the bounce. That's this week's countdown to convention for the 2022 United Soccer Coaches Convention, January 19th through 23rd in Kansas City. Register today at unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. Looking for ways to improve your training session? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for more than 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential to every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to elevate your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap, where we got so much soccer going on. Sometimes you got to find one person that kind of has his hand on the heartbeat of all things soccer. And 
I'll tell you what, this man is a friend to the association as well. He often hosts presentations at the convention. I expect to see him back in Kansas City. Who am I talking about? Well, former Rutgers women's soccer coach who coached Carly Lloyd. She was okay. And he is now the play-by-play man for New York City FC and MLS on radio. He is the host of the Coaching Academy on Sirius XMFC. And he also hosts the podcast on Frame. And now routinely, he also has some tips of the day or every other day. I always look forward to seeing those as well. Glenn Crooks, welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Thank you, Dean. It's uh, always nice to chat about the game with you. You've been around yourself, so, you know, we're we're both veterans of this thing, you know? Well, I appreciate that. And I'll tell you what, my mouth was dropping the other day in that USA-Mexico game. A lot of people are saying, yeah, the second half. But to me, the first half, even the pace was jaw-dropping, even though it was 0-0. I couldn't believe what I was seeing as Greg Burhalter was just – going for it and the crowd in Cincinnati was special. I mean, everything about that game was special. If you love us soccer and the U S men's national team from where you sit, give me your thoughts on that big win over Mexico. Yeah. I I thought the first half was fine. The second half was exceptional. And I think the, the, the biggest thing you see in the transformation of this team and uh, under Greg Burhalter is initially way back when he was hired, he, he wanted to do a buildup game, you know, really play a controlled style. And he recognized he had these athletes and, uh, you know, the game is going in the direction of press and counter press. And so he's got a group of individuals who are willing to do it. They're fit to do it. And then they just have to become more organized. And a friend of mine, John Rojas put together three minutes of clips of these three Mexico games, the finals in the, the gold cup, the nation's league, and then this uh, World Cup qualifier. And you could see the progress of them understanding what they need to do. And the second half is a perfect example. And uh, that one big chance that the Lozano got uh, that uh, Stefan saved in the first half, the press was a little late in, in different areas. And this is the way I watch the game. Sometimes it's painful, but I, I seem to always be coaching. Well, and as you know, we're recording this before they play Jamaica. This will air on Thursday. But any thoughts about the U.S. and Jamaica? Any predictions for me, Glenn? I think, well, this is great. So we'll see how I do. Uh, (laughs) I I think the already, you know, there's going to be two changes because of the suspensions of Weston McKinney and, and Miles Robinson. And I think it would be important to have changes. Such an emotional win over Mexico. Not a whole lot of time in between. You have to fly to Jamaica. You're playing on their grounds, although I think it's going to be limited capacity. So I think it's going to be, you know, rather challenging to get up to the same level and and perform that way. I think the first half is very important where they can kind of feel their way and and just get back into it. But I would think the uh, U.S., the score won't be comfortable, but I think the win will be comfortable, and I'm going two to one. Two to one U.S. You know, another man from uh, where you're from, you know, Tony Miola was on a couple weeks ago and he basically he didn't predict that they were going to beat Mexico, but he did predict that without question, the USA will make the World Cup after missing the last one. Can you put a stamp on that, Glenn? Yeah. And I think what, midway through and you're at the top of the uh, the group, I mean, that's exactly where you want to be. There are some tough road games, obviously, as at, at Azteca is is one of them. Uh, away to Costa Rica will be another. So there, there's some difficult uh, games ahead, but but the team will progress. And the thing that we don't know, Dean, is, Dean, is is who's available in, in each window, w- whether it's injury, whether it's form, how how he juggles it. And I think the fact that he's used between 30 and 40 players 
during this lead up has really prepared the U.S. well. So I'll put a stamp on it. Yes, uh, we will see the U.S. in 2022. In Qatar. In And do you expect to see Christian Pulisic and Gio Reyna on the field at the same time if they're healthy? Eventually, yes. I mean, I think uh, Reyna has a long way to go, though, because he's been out for so long. So it's going to take him some time. But one thing that we've learned about Greg Berhalter, you know, he what he cares about is your form. And he also cares how you produce in the training camp. I mean, he had said less than 24 hours before the match against Jamaica, he didn't know his lineup yet because he hadn't had the training session that's going to help him decide that. Maybe who looks sharp, that sort of thing. He really puts a, an emphasis on what happens during training. So these guys, uh, they have to perform each day in whatever capacity. And so Gio Reyna's not a lock. He's got to come back and, and, and show that he's uh, back to where he was. Let's switch to women's soccer now. Obviously, Carly Lloyd, a player that you coach, and you had that great tweet showing that incredible goal, her first goal at Rutgers, that kind of went viral just out of the blue, Glenn. Yeah, it was and crazy. <laughs> yeah, everybody was all about it. Every time I looked, it's like 10, 20, 30 more tweets on that. I think that's the power of Carly Lloyd. But, you know, Carly Lloyd, if anybody reminds me of Tom Brady, I mean, I do feel like if she wanted to play till 45, she could. Is she content in her retirement, Glenn? What do you know? Yeah, very much so. And uh, Carly, in, in very genuine terms, I, I went down to Delran. They had a big they had a nice to do for for Carly upon her retirement. Uh, the, the mayor, the governor um, and I got to speak and you could just sense from her that it was time. Her husband, Brian, I've known him since they were dating when she was at uh, Rutgers and the, their high school sweethearts. So, you know, they're, the time is now for them. Uh, they're going to go away for a while and then come back and uh, I'm going to sit down with her and, and see what her plans are. But no, the, she's, she's very, very content. It was time, but she could play more. Yeah. <laughs> she could, she could have played more. She could. Yeah. And, well, it, it's interesting though, as we go back to your thoughts of the men's national team, now thinking about the players that have been called into the women's national team. Yeah. There are a few veterans. I think Sauerbrunn's still on there and a couple others, but I really feel like Vlatko can very much look at what Greg Berhalter has done. And then now you see what NWSL is doing, producing, particularly these youngsters on Washington Spirit, really both teams that are in the final. And I think it's time for him to do something similar to what Greg did and maybe gut the whole thing and bring in these youngsters in this fire. And maybe that's what we march toward the next World Cup with on the women's side. I think he will, but it, it is time to uh, to really discover who can handle certain situations. But uh, someone recently talked about the women's success, and it's really been in their depth. But we've also had these elite-level players who, on the biggest stage, the Wombacks, uh, Lloyd, Ham, uh, I'm, I, I'm going to be leaving uh, players out, Acres, but along the years, and... Right now, I don't know if we can target, and I'm not talking about Alex Morgan. She's in her 30s now, so uh, you know it, she's going to be soon in the downside of her career. So we don't really know who those players or that player is, and that's why it's really important for them to get these kinds of experiences. But I think the talent pool is deep, and when it becomes that deep for Greg Berhalter, because we may look at it and say, wow, this is the deepest U.S. team ever, but it's not close enough to the depth necessary. You know, how many players do we have in Europe, you know, versus 
How many players does France, Germany, and this is important. You know, we're, we still don't have enough players at the level of a Pulisic, a, a Reina, a McKenney. And when we get that depth, that's depth. And when we get there, that's when we're going to be competing for, you know, World Cup quarterfinal, semifinal, and then what have you. And hopefully that's by 2026. Here with Glenn Crooks, who really does it all, and including his great work with New York City FC as the radio play-by-play man. I want to switch to MLS now. I'm not amphibious to use a funny quote from a long time ago, as Glenn Crooks is, as I've been immersed in college soccer. So the playoffs are starting for MLS, Eastern Conference, Western Conference. You've got the floor. Who are the teams to watch out for and why, Glenn? Parity is a word that's thrown around a lot. It's uh... But in MLS, I mean, on decision day, nine of the 13 games that were being played had playoff implications. So that's how close it was in in both divisions. So to say that uh, there are teams that have this massive edge, would you go to New England who ran away with a supporter shield? Maybe, but they haven't played a match in so long. Who knows? And, you know, they've set up scrimmages to try to keep sharp, but by the time they play, they don't play again until November 30th. They played on November 7th. Their next game is November 30th, and it could be New York City FC. The winner of uh, New York City FC Atlanta uh, at the Yankee Stadium on Sunday, this coming Sunday, uh, will go to New England on November the 30th. So I don't think you can just immediately say New England. Will they be rested? Yes. Will they be healthy? I suppose yes, but Will they be sharp enough to contend with the team coming off what will be an exhilarating opening round win in the playoffs? Then on the other side, I, you know, I, I love what uh, Robin Frazier's done with the Colorado Rapids, you know, and it's, it's either Frazier or Arena Coach of the Year. You, you see the uh, debates on uh, social media about who should get it. I, I like Frazier because he's working with about a $10 budget and he's, um, he's done some masterful things to uh, move that team into a position where uh, they win the West and now uh, they're a legitimate MLS contender. So I didn't answer your question. I didn't say who, who's going to win it, <laughs> but, uh, but it's really, uh, and it's, these are knockout games. I mean, anything could happen in these knockout games. I think for new England, if there were ever a year, a team would want a double, uh, you know, the, uh, a double two, elim- games. Uh, uh, two games. I, I can't remember what it's called now. What, what's wrong with me? <laughs> but uh, where um, you have the two legs. That's I got it now. Uh, then because now if they make one little error and that could cost them the season, they've got the supporter shield, but nobody ever remembers who won the supporter shield. It's interesting on the Western conference. You can talk about Colorado all day, but it's hard to not imagine coach Schmetzer and his magic at Seattle getting back there again. And then you think about Kansas city and Portland, those three always find a way to get up or around an opportunity to play in the MLS cup. Well, Sporting KC's coach Peter Vermees is my guest this week on the Coaching Academy mm-hmm. on Sirius XMFC. And uh, he is a, a, a guy who, who he's looking ahead to the playoffs, understanding exactly what's happened, you know, uh, in the West. And he he came out. He was fined by MLS this week. I don't know if you saw that. He made some uh, extremely derogatory comments towards the uh, referees when Justin Glad, who committed a handball, and pro referees later apologized during the week, but he committed, he handled the ball in the area. The VAR did not overrule it. Ted uncle didn't call it. He didn't see it. Right. And then the VAR said no. And now uh, Vermees went off the handle. He, uh, 
he was apologized to by pro soccer as far as the call, but then Vermees was fine. So a little bit more money in the coffers for MLS and Schmetzer Vermees, Robin Frazier, these dudes, they are, you know, they're three of the best coaches in the country without question. You know, they run successful programs and what Schmetzer's level of consistency. And a lot of people think he should be coach of the year because of all the injuries and, and the different things players lost Nico Ladero gone for most of the year. Uh, no Jordan Morris. He's just getting back. So the job he's done has been pretty spectacular too. So you're, you're right. You mentioned Schmetzer and he should be mentioned. You talked about great coaches, actually the man who replaced you for the Rutgers women's soccer team, Mike O'Neill has done an amazing job going to the NCAA tournament every year at the helm. Yes, he did lose the Big Ten tournament final at home, but he's already won one NCAA tournament game. I feel like they have the weapons, particularly I saw that Gabby Provenzano was back in the starting lineup. That was a big relief as the general was so important to that team. But, you know, with women's soccer, specifically Mike O'Neill, obviously the Rutgers women, boy, they're really good, Glenn. Well, I talked to probably all the games I did about between six and eight of their games on BTM Plus, and the every coach I talked to after those games said that's the best Rutgers team that they've ever seen. And that's a final four team. So they do have that level. They're so well coached. So they're organized. Uh, but it starts with Megan McClellan in goal. And then you work your way back at Gabby Provenzano, who you described. Uh, she is the general. She is the leader at the back. She organizes. And that, that's important that she was healthy enough to play in that game. Now she'll get a little bit more rest. She was all wrapped up her knee. And I saw her before the game. I said, you going? And she goes, absolutely. So that's Gabby. She's not 100%, but she's going to be out there uh, for this uh, second round game against St. Louis University. But these attacking players, we, uh, I'll say we, as a 14-year head coach, <laughs> and then Michael O'Neill was with me all those years, and now he has done a fantastic job in, in continuing the progress of the program. But we've never had that many attacking weapons on any one team. So there's, there's legitimately four, five, six players who can finish off any chance at any moment. And it's uh, to pick one out. I mean, Frankie Tagliaferri, to get her in as a transfer, that's a huge, huge uh, get for Rutgers. She wants to come closer to home, Colts Neck, New Jersey. And uh, she gets to play for the State University. And hopefully for her, she uh, leads them to the promised land. But yeah, this is uh, plus they're, they're just wonderful to watch play. I, that's the way I like to watch the game. They're, they play uh, they play the game in a, in a controlled fashion, but they're dynamic. They press. Uh, they can counter well so they can do a, a lot in all aspects of the game. Well, and with that, you just recently interviewed Paula Wilkins, who's done an amazing job at Wisconsin. Of course, Coach Rose Lavelle, Coach Victoria Pickett, and they won their first game as well. She Paula didn't even think she was going to get in the NCAA tournament. No. They, they, got, they got a home game. They beat Butler. But she said something interesting that I wanted you to share. Well, the first I did ask her about decision day, and it was, uh, you know, rather, uh, you know, it's like, well, we don't know. And uh, they were number 41 in the RPI. So, yeah, they were uh, it was it was close, but they got in, hosted and won. But, yeah, she because I had asked her about. So you imagine this, this, when does this happen? I, it's never happened. North Carolina, Stanford and UCLA all eliminated in the opening round of the NCAA tournament, former national champions and, you know, North Carolina. I don't, I've lost track. How many they had maybe 26 22. and 20. Oh, thank you. 
Yeah, you should know. That's your that's your <laughs> neck of the woods. So she said uh, parody. She used the word parody. She said, Glenn, you know, there's parody. But she credited the coaches in the women's game that are reaching a, a level of the men's coaches. And she said something that she uh, she heard over the summer, and she uses it with her team now. She said 2% of the population is exceptional, and then 98% of the population works harder than you, and they're they're going to win. And she thinks that's where it's uh, the catch-up. That's where teams are catching up to the elite, to the top teams, is that they're working, and they're working harder in some cases. And she said, you know, not everybody, and she used Ro- Rose Lavelle, one of her former players, you know, that's the 2%, and then there's everybody else. Carly Lloyd's the 2%, and then there's everybody else. So, yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, that is, although Carly Lloyd also works harder than all of us as well and always always has as well, so she's got the double whammy going with it. Let's end it with this. Um, you have become a near and dear friend to United Soccer coaches. Of course, Ian Barker has mad love for you. Everybody, we do, I do, everybody at United Soccer Coaches. I'm assuming that means we'll see you in Kansas City and you'll be involved again. What is it about the association that when they call, Glenn, you're ready for that call? Well, I have... Uh... Boy, I've been going to the convention since the 80s. I remember hopping into Winnebago with about six coaches during a snowstorm. And my assistant coach at the time, Scotty Sylvester at Ridge High School, he's driving this thing mad. We're sliding around. It was nuts. But every time I've gone, it's a, it has been a learning experience. I love the camaraderie. It's people you don't. And that's why I think everybody's pretty thrilled to, to get back in person uh, in Kansas City this year because uh, and the association did such a fantastic job to push it online and now learning that kind of a hybrid thing is uh, you know is effective for the association people overseas maybe they can't get here now they're going to be able to maybe catch some of the uh, action as well but it's uh, it's a learning experience camaraderie and you share and you're in a, a soccer environment it's what I like about all the coaching courses that I've attended you know it's just soccer centric you know at night you're sitting around moving the salt and pepper around the shakers around to to, to create the different shapes or whatever it might be you know and then um, every now and then there's a little imbibing as well so what the heck so well said glenn crooks i knew we could cover it all and we did cover it all glenn crooks you're always welcome on the united soccer coaches podcast presented by team snap thanks for all you do for the good of the game thank you dean and see you in kc we will see you in kc and we'll also see all the members of the 30 under 30 class including Alyssa finelli who's the head coach at bethany for their women's soccer program Alyssa finelli wraps up our show as we meet another member of this year's 30 under 30 class right here on the united soccer coaches podcast presented by team snap united soccer coaches advanced diplomas have long been regarded as an excellent way to expand your coaching knowledge advance your career and improve your players development now with our blended format that incorporates online and in-person learning coaches with ever demanding schedules can earn their diploma in the most time-friendly way possible visit unitedsoccercoaches.org advanced diplomas for more information Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. As you know, my favorite part of the show is we get to know another member of the esteemed 30 under 30 class. Today, I'm joined by yet another head coach at a young age, Alyssa Finelli, who is the D3 head coach for Bethany, and that is in the President's Athletic Conference. And Alyssa Finelli joins me now. Welcome, Alyssa. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm you know, excited to be a part of this program and looking forward to get started with everything. 
Yeah, I got to start with something I'm really proud of. You know, right off the bat, it says you've been the head coach since 2019. There's one line about your players winning all conference honors. And then in your bio, it says in 2021, Finale was selected from more than 300 applicants, which is true to be a part of the highly esteemed 30 under 30 program by United Soccer Coaches. So clearly this achievement was important to you. And I like seeing that because I think it's a special honor. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited about it. I know it's been a lot of applicants. It's very competitive, but I'm really excited about it. I think this is something that I've been searching for. I want to continue to grow as a coach. I know it never it never stops. And um, with the current program that I'm at, I think it's something that I can really help and utilize to help continue to grow the program at Bethany and the community around in general. Let's get to know Bethany a little bit better. Where is it located? What makes it special? It's located in Bethany, West Virginia, which is in the panhandle part of West Virginia. We're about 15 minutes from Pennsylvania and about 15 minutes from Ohio. So it's a pretty unique location. I'm sure a lot of people know some of the, you know, West Virginia country roads, you know, stereotype. We definitely, uh, you know, fit that a little bit. We're kind of tucked away in the hills. And Bethany is a very, very small town. It's pretty much just the campus itself and a couple neighboring developments. So it's a very unique institution. And we have less than a thousand kids at Bethany. We have a couple hundred, around six. So it's a very small institution as well and, and something that you don't find too often, but about 75% of our, our population at Bethany are actually athletes. So that's very unique, I think, and something you don't even get at, at high school level sometimes with you know some of the smaller schools. So something that definitely sets us apart and makes our institution in general unique because it's very much an athletic institution with, you know, how many people participate and the type of kid we're recruiting. Great nuggets. And you painted a perfect picture <laughs> as I know that area really well. So that's mm -hmm. a neat place to be to, to that many cool other states as well. And you're another example of being a great player, becoming a great coach. You're a four-year letter winner and three-year starter for Lafayette College at D1. You made appearances in all but six games throughout your illustrious career as an attacker. You're a three-year member of the Patriot League Academic Honor Roll, and you received the Lafayette Alumni of the Lehigh Valley Outstanding Athlete Award her senior year. I want to get to college, but I want to know your whole story. So tell us where you grew up. Was it a big family, small family? What did your parents do? When did you know that soccer was your calling? I come from a, a somewhat small family. Um, you know, only had about, I have one older sibling, uh, four cousins in total from Easton, Pennsylvania. Um, I love my hometown. Everybody that knows me knows uh, the pride I hold for, for Easton in the area in general. It's a very competitive high school, very big high school. My parents, my dad actually went to Easton. He played football there. My mom went to a local high school called Penargel, was a flag twirler for the band and, uh, you know, did that. So they were involved in different, different activities. And I think from the moment I was, uh, you know, participating in, in YMCA soccer, I think I kind of fell in love with it right then. I was very much a tomboy and very much always hanging out with the boys when I was younger, you know, playing two hand touch football at recess and being one of two girls that did that and things like that. So I always, you know, got along, I think with, with guys a little bit better, I think, because of my competitive nature, naturally, you know, when I was younger and we were done with co-ed soccer, I considered actually trying to do the, the men's youth program, the boys youth program, I should say there, just because those were all where my friends were at. And, but yeah, my high school, I think left a, left a lasting impact on me. And, you know, my high school coach is somebody that I, I'm still, you know, really close with. And I think, you know, that's something that's motivated me and carried me on to, to where I am today 
today. Um, my older brother wasn't as much, you know, an athlete, but he's been a big influence in my life and, and a supporter, even though that's not really, not really his thing. So small family and my two older cousins wrestled in high school. And I think I really looked up to that and I loved going, you know, Easton's a pretty big wrestling high school. So that was something I loved going to in that sport, you know, that atmosphere and Lafayette's close to home. It's actually, at first I didn't look at Lafayette because I didn't want to go that close to home. It's literally, you know, kind of in my backyard in a sense, but there were two very different experiences that I got, even though it's in the same, you know, the same city, my high school and college. But I think they're um, different situations that really shaped me to be who I am today. And I'm, I'm grateful for. When did you know you wanted to be a coach? What was that tipping point? Yeah, I think in high school, it's something I considered a lot. My high school coach, Coach Hall, actually gave me the opportunity to work with him um, and his club team. He runs kind of a, a club team there called ENCO, and he gave me the opportunity at the end of my freshman year, beginning of sophomore year, to um, start coaching with him and just getting involved. And I think I've always known that I wanted to stay in sports to some degree. I'm just too competitive not to be around that kind of atmosphere. So when he gave me that opportunity, I think it was, you know, I was pretty excited about it. it it was really awesome to see and to be able to impact um, these young kids, you know, lives. I was at U9, U10 kind of level, just helping out. But when some of them, you know, would score a goal or reach some achievement they were hoping to, to reach and just how excited they would get, it was pretty special to, I think, feel like you had a hand in that and, you know, be able to have an impact in some people's careers and lives in general. So I think I kind of started developing a passion for it then. And it's something that I continued on throughout my college years as well. I would you know, go to camps in the summer or coach a couple summer league youth teams as well and always stayed in it. And I think I just always thoroughly enjoyed the different layers that are involved with coaching. It's not just, you know, coaching a sport. It's, you know, the impact you can have on the individual and honestly, the impact they can have on you and how they help you to grow, you know, as a person as well. So it's something that I've, I've valued a lot. Um, I think I've had, as, as a lot of us, I'm sure can say, have had kind of both ends of the spectrum with, with coaches, you know, one ones that you are still in touch with and, and make a valuable and lasting impact um, and ones that kind of make a lasting impact and maybe, you know, kind of the opposite end. And I think that's something that when I thought about it, I kind of wanted to give back to the soccer community, what the sport, you know, and what people in it gave to me. Um, and even those experiences that were somewhat not on the more positive end of that really impacted me and I think helped lead me to be the coach that I am today because, you know, I want to be that resource and that, that, you know, coach to them that at sometimes I didn't feel like I had. Um, so that's something that, that really motivates me and sticks with me to this day because I keep, you know, reminding myself of, of what I want to be for these, these young athletes and young adults. And that's, you know, keeps pushing, pushing me. And that's why I'm, I'm super excited about this program. Cause I think it's just going to further, further me along in, in my journey and goals to, uh, you know, to give back to the sport. Well, I applaud that answer as the father of two pretty high-level basketball players. I saw firsthand the power of a coach that was like you. Uh, and then on the other end, a coach that maybe abused that power and it was mm -hmm. difficult. And I saw the struggle, how it affected my kids. So I like how you have taken both kind of coaches and molded them in taking lessons off. Let's call it the bad one. Cause that's what I'm definitely <laughs> going to call it um, and, and made you better. So before you got to Bethany, thanks for that answer, by the way, it was Thank awesome. You. Before you got to Bethany, what, what'd you do before you got that job? And how old were you when you became the head coach now in your third season at Bethany? Yeah, so my first 
year out of college, I actually worked at a local high school, uh, Moravian Academy. I coached there for a year. I'd also done some um, individual sessions with Matt Baker. He does like perfect touch soccer. So he does a lot of individual things. So I'd stayed in coaching. I did some club, um, different things like that. The year after that, I uh, got an assistant job at Arcadia University um, under Rick Ronell. And he's, he's a great guy. He was actually my club coach uh, when I played for FC Bucks. And um, he was a great kind of mentor for me. And as again, he's somebody that I, I look up to a lot and admire because he's really, you know, turned Arcadia's program around and had a lot of success there. I was there for a year and then got the job at Seton Hill University as a graduate assistant under uh, Andy McNabb. And again, I think I was, I had two awesome experiences at Arcadia and Seton Hill that really helped me to develop. And, you know, I owe a lot to both Rick and Andy for how they've, you know, helped me to develop as a coach. You know, at Arcadia, I saw a lot about getting my, you know, kind of getting my foot in the door and understanding how it works, especially at at the D3 level, which is, you know, really come come circled back to help me out now. Um, and at Seton Hill, again, you know, he's turned that program around and, you know, made them kind of a force to be reckoned with in the PSAC, only having been in the PSAC a couple years. So it was really great to see those two and be under those two individuals and learn from them. And then when I was finishing up at Seton Hill, I, I applied for a couple different jobs. And honestly, I wasn't sure at the time I wanted to, to go on and be a head coach after that. You know, I still feel like I had a lot to learn. And I know in coaching that, you know, you're constantly learning. So I wasn't really sure what the next step would be. When I got the opportunity at Bethany, I rely a lot on my gut instinct. Um, when I applied to Seton Hill, even though there are hundreds of applicants, for some reason, I felt like this is where I'm going to be. Um, I kind of had that gut feeling and obviously, you know, it worked out. And um, when I went to Bethany's campus at first, um, you know, I think again, you know, you, you worry about some you know, the location, being further away from home, different, you know, just different things going to a new institution and being head coach and not having done that at the collegiate level before it was definitely a little nerve wracking. But after my interview, I kind of just, you know, decompressed and thought about it. And I was like, I think, again, this is like where I'm supposed to be. I, I think I can make an impact here. I think I can learn a lot. Um, and I did. Um, I definitely did. I was, oof, how old am I? I was, what, 27, I think, when I got that job. I think it had to be, yeah, 27. Going to be 29 soon this month. So, so yeah, it's been, it's been a learning experience. My first pretty much two years there, I didn't have an assistant coach. So it was all kind of on me. We kind of had one there that was there for the first, you know, season that I was there. I got hired like a month before our preseason started. So it was definitely, you know, a quick turnaround with that. We had a very small roster. Um, at the time I got hired, you know, at one point in time, we had 11 on the roster before, you know, preseason started. So there was definitely a lot, um, a lot of work to be done. And again, you know, just had an assistant, you know, who was, who was student teaching and doing a lot of work then. So um, really it was, it was me most of the time for those first two years, you know, this year I'm super grateful. I have two, two assistants now who are, are very much go-getters and have um, been, been great and val very valuable to me. And now I'm able to learn and develop on now. Now I have people that I can kind of, you know, work with and how to work on delegating and things like that. So it's been a new experience again, but, um, but yeah, I'm very, very grateful that I was given the opportunity here at Bethany because I think this more than maybe any other job has pushed me and, and, you know, I've been able to grow a lot more than, than maybe if I was an assistant at another institution, you know, division two, II, division three, II, division one, whatever it was. Um, Cause obviously was looking at a couple different, different opportunities there, but grateful to be here. 
you've done a good job dropping a lot of names. How about dropping the names of those two assistant coaches that are go-getters? <laughs> yeah, Spencer Reinford and uh, Jordan Blackburn. They, uh, they're both young coaches and um, they're, I think this is both of their um, first college, um, you know, college coaching jobs, but um, they've been great. And I think provide a really great dynamic for, for our team, which is um, I think we all, you know, bounce off each other pretty well and bring different things to the table, which again, hopefully I'm helping them to grow. And that's what I'm hoping to gain a little bit from this, you know, 30 under 30 program is how to be a better, you know, mentor, not only, you know, for my players, but for them, they've, you know, helped me learn a lot and, and brought different things to the table as well. So um, it's been great to have them and, and finally have some, a little more, you know, help at the, uh, with the program. So pleased to be spending time with Alyssa Finelli, the third year head coach at Bethany of show have her fourth season coming up next fall. When uh, did you know that there's value in being a part of this 30 under 30 class and who like led you down the path to try to become a member of this esteemed class? Yeah, honestly, I think I've just, you know, I've been a member of United Soccer Coaches before. I, I've seen postings about it and different things. And I just thought it was, it was something again, when I, when I saw it, I was like, I want to be a part of that. I want to learn. I want to continue to grow as a coach. I think um, sometimes some people get fixated on, you know, not really trying to continuously develop. Um, and I think in, in this profession, there's a lot of different, like I said before, layers and, and different aspects to it. And you never stop growing, whether it's, you know, on the field or off the field, this is something that I just thought could be a really good step in, in my career. Um, I, I, known some coaches that have been a part of it. I know two coaches who have been on it, were on it last year, I believe. One, I think went to the same college as me and I saw, you know, he was a part of it. He wasn't somebody I was incredibly like close with and, in, in, you know, during my time in college, but I knew him and saw when it was announced last year, he was a part of it. And another coach that I've known and um, just through coaching and everything like that, I saw he was a part of it too. And just kind of, it was cool to see people that I knew get it. And then, you know, just wanted to, wanted to continue to grow, you know, I'm looking forward to making connections and, and, you know, really pushing myself and having others, you know, help to further me along both, like I said, on and off the field, because I think, you know, off the field is, is just important if sometimes, you know, more important. Speaking of off the field, this one's a little trickier, but what might be something about Alyssa Finelli that people wouldn't know? Your life is soccer, soccer, soccer. I get that. But what is something that gets you away from soccer, Alyssa Finelli? Where do you find some passion? Honestly, the thing that I most look forward to is when I get the opportunity to go home, spend time with my family. Um, my brother has three young kids and they are so adorable. They're awesome. I think they're one's one, one's two, and one is going to be six soon. So that's kind of my passion. That's what I look forward to the most. Um, you know, next week being Thanksgiving, um, I can't wait for that. Addison, the oldest one, she's starting to play soccer and it's just so cute to be able to see her doing that and you know she I think kind of looks up to me with it and you know says how much she loves soccer and I'm you know excited for that she's sick she's gonna be six but she's taller than almost everybody out there so um you know maybe soccer maybe she should look into volleyball too or something or basketball because she's so tall but but yeah and then the other two Tegan and Lachlan there you know I'm just excited, you know, to go home and spend time with them. And that's 
really what I look forward to the most. And, you know, not everybody knows they're like, your brother has three kids now. And I'm like, yeah, because the first one was a little bit of a surprise and him and his wife, you know, Kaylee have done a great job with them. So I, I like being the cool aunt. That's my job. <laughs> That's a great answer. I love that too, especially as Thanksgiving, there's so much to be thankful for. Finally, if you've listened to this podcast at all, I always ask the crystal ball question and sometimes the answer is, you know what, I could be content here 10 years from now, but that's the question. 10 years from now, Alyssa Finelli, where do you see yourself? Yeah, um, honestly, with this job, I get asked that sometimes from recruits, obviously from my friends a lot. And I never really have a set answer um, on that because I just don't think, you know, I've never had like, this is my dream job um, or anything like that. I definitely really enjoy being at the division three level. So I definitely think I could see myself being at the division three level moving forward. I really enjoy my coworkers and the environment I'm at at Bethany. I do think if I down the road were to move, it would either be because I'm moving closer to home to be with, you know, my family even though I'm in a pretty great location now. And again, I, I've learned a lot here and really enjoy the kind of outer Pittsburgh area. Or it would be because, you know, I'm moving maybe, my boyfriend's actually a coach as well. He coaches basketball. So if we were going to move anywhere, it'd be maybe moving closer to, to his family as well, which he's from Cleveland and things like that. I enjoy the Division three lifestyle, the balance I can get, and, you know, the impact I think you can have on, on student-athletes' lives at this, at this level. And actually one more, since you talked about the fact growing up as a tomboy, who are your favorite professional sports teams for, for all sports? Who are, you, who are you pulling for? And are there any rivalries with your boyfriend being from Cleveland? Uh, yeah, he's a big, big Browns fan. I'm a, I'm a massive Eagles fan. You know, we've won a Super Bowl. Don't know what's <laughs> going So there's, there's at least that head that we have there. He always likes to bring up their past championships, but wasn't a Super Bowl. So um, I'm a big Philadelphia Union fan. And so, um, so is my family. They religious watch those games and they've had a lot of success recently which is awesome obviously love watching both you know the men's and women's national teams and um, being from Philly in general I'll always support Philly sports um, as a whole so that's kind of where my uh, my roots and passions lie I have mad respect for Philadelphia sports fans <laughs> all day every day indeed Alyssa Finelli really enjoyed this and congratulations on being a member of the 30 under 30 class good luck next season at Bethany and thanks so much for being a part of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And I, uh, this was fun. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I enjoyed it just as much. Also enjoyed spending time with the Oregon State top man, Terry Boss, the number one seed in the men's NCAA tournament, which starts this weekend. Also want to thank Deb Raber, winner of the Mike Berticelli Excellence in Coaching Award, and also the super talented Glenn Crooks. For my producer, Colin Thrash, the great folks at United Soccer Coaches, including Bailey Conklin, Erica Dyer, Sean Chevrolet, and the gang. I'm Dean Linky. We'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. Thanks for listening to the weekly United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. To learn more, visit unitedsoccercoaches.org and teamsnap.com. <laughs>